prepare yourself, dear reader, for another gripping tale of adventure, drama, and self-discovery. This is Wonder World Comics. Then we'll move on to our second intro, which is Justin's uh, Justin's new character. Absolutely. I'm Justin, and I'll be premiering my second character so far for Wonder World Comics out of the Scion playbook. Grayson St. James, or as he's known in his hero persona, the Vice. Grayson is 16 years old and just the picture of a snobby rich kid. You know who I'm talking about. He's <laughs> 5'7", platinum blonde, very attractive, and it's perfect that we brought up old money because he is from one of the older and wealthier families in New Olympus, uh, the St. James family. They have a sprawling real estate empire. And part of his core playbook thing is that he is the child of a true villain, the conductor, who is, say, like a kind of more serious take on Dr. Eggman or a zanier Mysterio is kind of his vibe. He's basically like a zealous crusader. He wants control and he uses his particular mutant gene to get it. Everyone in the St. James family has a particular ability to control something. It's their X-Men gene. He can control coding and language, and he's created his own and uses it to kind of puppeteer a series of dastardly mechanical animal robots and all sorts of junk like that. Yeah, his dad sucks. <laughs> Gray's dad sucks. <laughs> yeah, what's Gray's power? He's kind of found himself here because... Out of his main family line, there are several villains who have very powerful skills in his family. We'll let those just come up as they do besides his father. But his is just seen as really weak. Their whole line, the power of their control is based on their willpower over whatever they're trying to control or subject. And his control is over other people's powers. I picture it as like an X and Y axis graph where the X axis is in control and out of control, whether they're in control and able to do like really detailed things or whether the power is consuming them entirely. And the Y axis is take away your power entirely or boost it. But yeah, this isn't something he's really explored and he just sees it as a burden because his father can control an army of mechanical robots and his grandmother and sister can do incredible things too. And yeah. He can just take things away from people, so he's pretty bitter about that. It's, it's such a fun dynamic, honestly, for like a rich kid who's got everything he could possibly want to be able to take things away from other people or give them. He hasn't actually thought about the fact that he could boost them yet. For the readers, this is how Justin is picturing the powers. Grayson has very limited experience with his powers at all. Um, when they realized in his family that he couldn't control something like the weather or elements or people he was kind of discarded and that's made him really bitter and that's that's kind of what led him away from maybe taking up the family mantle and becoming a villain to maybe the more path of the hero mainly to spite them he would kind of like their fortunes to plummet like he feels like his has spite is powerful gray uh when he's in hero persona goes by the vice Readers can find him in Heartbreakers Volume Zero. 
So he has a Deadpool style mask with the silvery white eye panels and the interlocking jagged gray pattern down the center. And it stops at the chest below kind of his collarbone. The rest of the suit is black. It's sleeveless. Black Falcon has in his rudimentary style just grafted some guards on his like chest, abs, thighs, shins, gray metallic plates. They were put on after the whole incident in volume zero. Black Falcon has given him these upgrades to kind of try to keep him safe. Besides that, um, he has a pair of brass knuckles that show through the boxing tape on his wrist and knuckles that more artistically go up his forearm. And he has a utility belt that's uncluttered with cylindrical pouches, a belt buckle clasp that is a golden bronze bird skull that is a black falcon symbol that kind of matches his brass knuckles that have a pair of wings coming out from the side that you can tell are all very falcon themed these boys and their birds he fights with mainly a pair of brass knuckles and he's kind of a knockoff bat kid he is very nimble athletic and gymnastic like Eden is, but where Eden has a flexibility in her fighting style and adaptability based on her training, he has more of an arsenal that he goes to to answer his problems and a series of like rich kid skills. Like he's an equestrian, he knows how to use a bow and arrow. Think of any sport that only like a rich kid could afford, he's like really great at it. I don't think it'll ever come up, but he's an excellent skier. It might and come up. <laughs> Maybe it comes up at some point. <laughs> I chose impressive martial prowess. Part of that is, you know, the things he's learned from his privilege, but he's also the new protege for Black Falcon. I think Michael describes him as a grittier, realistic Batman who takes the I only have one rule rule very seriously. Basically, the idea is Bruce Wayne comes off very well adjusted as a rich kid who lost his parents and Black Falcon is not. His only thing that he wants is to take out bad people and he doesn't care how he does it, whether he harms or maims them. His only thing is he doesn't kill, not out of moral superiority, but basically because he thinks criminals deserve to live as awful a life as possible. And yeah, Grayson has gone from his villain parents into the warm and loving embrace of another kind of unhinged person. You covered most stuff. Um, I was going to say, does he have any relationships? Yeah. One of the things I missed was Mariel. She's the Alfred of the St. James family. She is the one who told him about his father's true nature. She is an elderly British lady, old friends of Bernadette Melnats. They were spies together during the Cold War, but that's for another time. That's awesome. And she's raised him, essentially. She was the parental figure in his life. And she's the one who taught him most the the equestrian, the archery, and the different skills he has. She is an absolutely badass old broad. And I think she's the one who gave him the in with Black Falcon. We don't know exactly why or their link yet. And yeah, Black Falcon's the one outside of the, the team who helps me along my chosen path. And I care about the team, the Heartbreakers specifically, because they're strong and they have powers. And I need powers to do things because I don't have them. It's a very selfish relationship. <laughs> Black Falcon found him, 
you know, beat up and bloody the first time he ran into someone with real powers that he couldn't deal with. And yeah, so he, he wants he wants people nearby because he knows he can't handle it on his own. And he doesn't like the people nearby because he can't handle things on his own. Even though uh, he keeps his secret identity very secret, Lilith, she's the only one who understands what Vice is going through. I told them which part of me I wish was more like my parent, which was I wish I actually had something strong I could control, something powerful. I wanted an ability that made me better. And my parent once fought and absolutely thrashed the electric kid. I've got to find a way to make it up to them. I think uh, if everyone whose parent once fought and thrashed the electric kid had to find a way to make it up to them, like Steve is in for some, like a lot of <laughs> a lot of making it up to. Him. Yeah. So, was there anything else that you wanted to tell us about Vice or Gray? His respect <laughs> mechanic. Oh Where yeah, that's right. On is you're trying to like earn the respect because you don't want to be tarnished by this villainous name that you're family has given you so i write down at least two other characters whose respect i need to earn and there's six slots total and there's a really cool mechanic into it that we'll go into later but when our first came together the mantis showed up he is my father the conductor's greatest enemy they're both techie hero villains uh, on opposite sides who are always clashing and He'd created a device that could track my father's specific signature that's given off by our family's mutant gene, and he followed it to me and basically told me I was a piece of shit. Um, didn't do much else than that, but yeah, he kind of condemned us, and he is now someone I've whose respect I kind of crave and want after you know a negative encounter with one of the Vindicators. And your parents' greatest victim... I think I'm going to go with the citizens of New Olympus, specifically probably the Burbs in the lower income areas, because he is out of his villain persona as the conductor. He's Redmond St. James, and he is just a ruthless real estate tycoon who is jacked up prices. And especially in the Pacific Northwest, where housing is already hard to come by and a refugee crisis with humanoid cephalopods coming out of the ocean, he is not making anything better. So I think definitely the citizens of New Olympus are his greatest victim. Yeah, that makes sense. So bad, dude. Sweet. I can't wait for the respect mechanic. I think it's going to be so interesting with uh, Gray being who he is and so, like, bitter <laughs> and, like, craving the respect of people who might be a little bit below him, you know. Um, I mean, they put really big names on here. One of the names already written down is Archon, Patriarch of the Soul System. Because I oh, think geez. he is probably the greatest hero of New Olympus. Good, good luck, Gray. <laughs> Kyra and Sawyer, did you have any questions or comments for Justin about this character? I think just a fun observation. Gray is going to be towering over the rest of this party at a whopping five seven. It's true. <laughs> yeah, he is the. Uh... He is the resplendent sun that we shall be looking up towards. <laughs> it's so funny because his height is mainly because it seems roughly bat kid height, but also he's just so much short. He's halfway in between Steve and Ryan. That's why I picked it. Um, so, yeah, Ryan's not around to tower over him and make him cower like usual. Yes. Yes. 
this is a, I'm mostly uh, excited for this to go out because uh, your, uh, your character has uh, power negation as, as one of his superhero powers. And then uh, the last, the absolute last move that Gustav took when we played was, was power negation as well, except that was flavored as um, we ran across some Hare Krishnas downtown and they handed Gustav a pamphlet about like chakras and, you know, overall spiritual well-being. And uh, Gustav reading this four-page pamphlet and essentially just flailing at people. It just so happened to hit him in weird little pressure point areas and whether or not he actually activates or, excuse me, deactivates the uh, the superpowers of other beings or if they just get so weirded out by this little dude just kind of like pushing on them that they they're doing. I'm really kind of excited. To, <laughs> I'm really kind of excited to see that in action. Yeah, I can't wait for Vice to be like, yeah, I can, you know, shut off people's powers. And then for Gustav to be like, oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? I'm rubbing his root chakra. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a felony. <laughs> Wonderworld Comics is an actual play podcast of Masks, A New Generation, by Brennan Conway. This issue was jammed by Kaylee Newberry, who can be found on Twitter at Kaylee underscore Newberry. Moonflower is played by Kyra Nelson, who can be found on her Twitter at Kyra M. Nelson. Agatha Hazlitt and Gustav the Armored are played by Sawyer A. The Vice is played by Justin Reed, who can be found on his Twitter at WWComicsStitch. The Electric Kid is played by Michael Dunham, who can be found on his Twitter at GalvanicMan. Wonderworld Comics is produced by Michael Dunham, and it is edited by Michael Dunham and Justin Reed. The music is from Dvorak Symphony Number no. 9. Do you have questions or comments? You can get a hold of us on Twitter at WWComicsPodcast or send us an email at WWComicsPodcast at gmail.com.